asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing making a living with Airbnb with Ziana McIntyre. Yeah, Joel, our guest today is Ziana McIntyre, who went from earning minimum wage to becoming financially free in two years with real estate. And, and she didn't do it with any old boring real estate. <laughs> she did it specifically with Airbnb. Uh, Ziana now owns seven properties and she manages 20 and they're all over the world. She, uh, she also consults by working with her clients and helping them to achieve their short-term rental goals, right? So from finding an ideal rental property to purchase, uh, she provides tips on furnishing all the way through to, to management as well. And you know what's so great about Ziana's story is how she's used real estate to design the kind of life that she wants to live. And you know, hopefully too, after this interview, How to Money listeners out there will be inspired to do the same. So Ziana, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yay, thanks for having me. Hey, so glad to have you, Ziana. And every episode, you know, Matt and I, we actually drink a, a craft beer. We're big beer nerds. Uh, so for us, it's kind of this thing where we are splurging on something that we love now, uh, while at the same time, we're pretty thoughtful about uh, saving and investing for our future. So do you have anything that you like to splurge on in the here and now while you're building wealth, while you're building your real estate portfolio um, for your future self? I literally only buy homes. (laughs) 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 And my boyfriend says that some girls buy shoes, I just buy homes. So literally all the money that I put aside, I'm like, ooh, that's almost enough for a home. (laughs) (laughs) So Ziana has no fun with any money that she makes. It's all going towards investments. Yeah. Is it all deprivation for you? Like there's got to be something that you, you enjoy. I mean, it sounds like you enjoy real estate as well, but yeah, what else? Yeah, I think I've just learned to hack things, you know, like I love clothes and I love costuming and fashion, but like I do um, clothing swaps with friends. So we all just like bring a bunch of clothes to a house and like swap for free and I don't buy anything, maybe underwear. Um, (laughs) And then other things like travel is like I got so good at travel hacking that I do pet sitting and I do credit cards and all that kind of stuff. So miles and points pay for most everything and then... I don't have to pay for travel. So Dang. there are lots of things that I love to do, but I just like figure out how to have them 
pay themselves. Nice. It sounds like you're yeah fairly optimized then when it comes to the <laughs> things that you enjoy doing. So that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ziana, let's dive right into you know how you got started with Airbnb specifically. So a friend of yours gave you the idea after he got laid off. Uh, can you share how that all that went down? Yeah, so my friend was living in New York, and I feel like New York's just like the epicenter. You hear about everything well, first, yeah. you know? There's just so much <laughs> happening there. And I was really familiar with this idea of couch surfing. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but it was uh, a website yeah. that was really big in like 06 to maybe like 2010 or something like that. And I had like traveled and stayed at people's houses, and you stay on their couch, and it's like free. Um, but he told me about this concept of Airbnb where you actually rent out your house and travelers come, but they're paying you. And so I was like, oh, I'm super into that idea of like living vicariously through people's adventures and hosting people and all of that. So it already seemed like an easy match. Airbnb, by the way, uh, I feel like it took, it was couch surfing made legitimate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent, but that also then cost you money, which... Totally. I mean, I think there's something still really beautiful about the idea of couch surfing, but for some reason, I don't know, it didn't really stick around the same, but I guess people just really like money too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But essentially he decided to try it out and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Um, and he was stuck in this lease because he was living in New York and I think his apartment was like 3000 a month, you know, just crazy. Um, and he decided, okay, I'm going to just try this Airbnb thing. I'm going to rent out my place. Hopefully it'll just cover my expenses until I can get out of the lease. So he was traveling like in Spain and South Africa. He was only going to be, um, you know, like unemployed and having unemployment travel for like three months. And then he ended up making so much money off of his apartment. He traveled for an entire year. Wow. Nice. And the whole time he was like, man, you got to do this. You got to try this. And I was just distracted. I was in school and I didn't feel like I had the time, um, but he's very persistent. Uh, and after an entire year, he told me that he made $50,000 off of this apartment that he didn't own. Wow. So that got me listening. Okay. <laughs> You're yeah. like, okay, that's real stinking money right there. Wait, 50K. I can, yeah. I can live off that, <laughs> yeah. you know, for sure. And, tra and travel on that. So, yeah. uh, and then when you first got into it, Ziana, you were basically subletting apartments that you were currently uh, renting, but on the DL, right? And when that was, was that like a little bit shady? What were things like for you in those days? <laughs> I feel like I've heard stories about that, like way back when, when folks were like, but don't make any noise when you check in. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. It's interesting because back then people didn't know about Airbnb. So kind of when I would tell people, they wouldn't know what I'm talking about anyway. So it was kind of like a really small, I don't know, niche or something for at least the first couple of years. So the only thing that made me feel worried is just kind of my my like very clear sense of right and wrong. I was like, I think this is wrong, but it works. And there's no <laughs> rule that says that it's wrong. So right. it's okay, right? So I think there was a part of me that was always kind of worried that a landlord would find out and I would get in trouble somehow, but it didn't really happen that way. There was two different incidences when I got asked to leave an apartment that I was solely um, renting and then re-renting. One of the instances was, um, it was like a nine uh, unit apartment building and they own the entire building. So then one of the hmm. neighbors ratted me out. So I was like, uh. okay, I get that. You know, like <laughs> that's stupid. I didn't realize you guys had the whole building. Um, and then the next time that it happened, and I'll, I'll say that that first time they gave me back my deposit in full. They gave me time to move. They were very cool about it. And they even said, wow, that was a really cool idea. <laughs> But we don't want you to do it in our apartment. Yeah, I was like, like we'll okay, give you credit. Okay. That's pretty ingenious. Yeah, yeah but... they were like, we love your furnishing and everything, but like, get out. So <laughs> that was cool. But then the second time that it happened, um, I had a little like one bedroom at another place, and I don't know how the owner found out, but maybe. Oh, I think it's because he was trying to list on Airbnb, and so. He found out. I said, oh, sorry, I didn't like, know. Wait a minute, that's my that. place. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then oh, wow. he asked me to go and I got someone to take over my lease. And that girl later, I found her and him on Airbnb. And I was like, okay, you can't stop the system. You know, they're all doing it. <laughs> hmm. 
That's so, so funny. Well, the floodgates were open at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so like, you know, obviously in a lot of leases, there are clauses built in, you know, that don't allow you to sublet. But this it's not necessarily uh, something that like you, that you mentioned that is completely wrong. Like sometimes you are allowed to, you know, to sublet your place. And I mean, there's a term for that. Like that's master leasing, right? Yeah. Um, I think people call it arbitrage as well. But yeah, I mean, subletting is negotiable. I, I would say that everything in a lease and everything in life is negotiable. So what I would do when I was signing up for those situations is just say, hey, you know, I travel sometimes for work. I would love to be able to sublet if I'm gone for an extended period. And they would always just like cross it out in the lease and let me do it. So I was in the right there. It's just that they didn't realize that it was like Airbnb and I was making money on their apartment and all these other kind of things that sometimes make people upset. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I think that's really important to know for people that are considering it, that that is negotiable when you're talking to a landlord and that it's possible. Like, I think if one of my tenants came to me, even if they were 100% above board and were like, I'd like to rent your place and rent it out on Airbnb all the time, um, but I'll pay you $100 more a month than market rate than what you're asking in order to do it. I'd be like, all right, cool. That sounds good. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... um, that those kind of things are always open for negotiation. That's a good point. Uh, and then, uh, Ziana, you kind of began to move past that and buy some real estate. But the first place that you bought, you kind of had to get creative with the financing. So can you tell us about that too? Yeah. So my first place, it took me a while to kind of get to that place of being able to buy. But it was already after my first two years where I was feeling financially independent. Um, and those were just off of places I was renting. So it was really cool that that could happen on its own. Yeah. Um, but when I went to buy, I had this great um, position where I had a one bedroom apartment that was five minutes away from the other apartment that I was going to buy. And so I had already been renting this place out for like a year and a half. And so sometimes I tell people Airbnb is like training wheels for real estate, you know? So I, I had all the numbers, I knew what everything cost, I knew what my property could make. And so when I went over to buy the other one, it was really easy for me to know what would work and what wouldn't work. Hmm. So that was like a great you know, foundation for me. At the time, I had a friend who was a previous landlord of mine and we had just kind of stayed in touch. And he was a big investor. I think he owns like 18 apartments or something and all in one complex. And so, I, I think I had heard that he gives people loans. And so I just thought, you know what? Let me just try. Um, I was, this guy's got some money. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I work for myself and I've heard that's hard to get a mortgage. And I was doing like massage and Airbnb and Airbnb wasn't really recognized as income yet. It was kind of this weird gray area. So I thought that would be difficult for lending. So I just thought, okay, I'm just going to go ask. And if he says no, then I have to figure out a new plan, <laughs> you know? Um, but he was cool with it. And he ended up making a loan for me. The house that I got was like 162. I think our loan was 144. And at that time, I mean, literally that could have been a million dollars that I was asking for. It was just like so <laughs> much money. But he made it really easy for me. And I feel super grateful that people in real estate are so open to helping people very often. You know, it's really like a mentor teaching kind of community. And I think sometimes you just need to ask. You never know if people are going to say yes. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about that, too, is, is, yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned him as almost this mentor I mean, you're, you're able to ask him questions and you talk with him and talk about the market, I'm sure. You know, when, when, if someone's that invested in the, the local market there and, and interested in real estate, they're going to have a lot of wisdom. And that's not something you're going to learn from uh, talking to your bank. <laughs> you know, oh, like, most no. people, like, you don't get that. Like, you, you can't even get that with a credit union, you know, right. as much as we love local credit unions. And I'm sure, he, you know, he wants to make sure his, his investment is going to do well. And, and so, you yeah. know, he probably wants to talk through the fundamentals of the property you're buying to make sure that it's going to work out well for him. So I'm sure that in, in some ways was a learning experience in and of itself. Yeah, it was surprisingly light. I mean, now that I've done <laughs> loans and I'm like, wow, they want everything and your first baby. He was really like, okay, do you think you could cover this mortgage amount? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, Super all right, chill. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad to see that it worked out for you. Obviously, you know, in, in the time since then, uh, that yeah, that's really panned out for you. But I mean, I assume you don't do that currently, right? Uh, you know, as far as private money lending, you know. So, have you changed your approach to, to financing since then? 
Yeah. Um, so I started with private money and I got two loans from this guy, which was really great. Um, and then from there, I worked in partnerships. And so I would find people that either had cash or they had an easy W-2 job and we would partner together and um, work out some kind of split. You know, it might be a 50-50 or a 60-40 because I was managing and kind of found the property and did all the legwork for them. And they were just kind of like riding the coattails and being able to get the mortgage. So I still have a few of those relationships and I think that worked out really well. I'm just for the first time getting a mortgage on my own and it feels like big girl steps. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I, I guess lots of people probably don't know, but you're able to get 10 conventional loans in your own name. And so if you max that out, it's nice to know that there's other creative ways to get loans with other people and their names or privately. So yeah, it's good to get creative. Uh, well, Ziana, we have listeners basically who live across the United States, international too, and, and you know people who live in Los Angeles, people who live in Montgomery, Alabama, and and so we're, you know we're really talking about this wide range of real estate prices, just different scenarios when you're talking about renting in, in an Airbnb. And actually, like before we started recording, you said that you're buying a home in Macon, Georgia, just south of us, which is fascinating. So. Obviously, it, it seems like you think that Airbnb can work in any market. Is that true? Or are there markets maybe where it doesn't make as much sense? Like, what do you have to think through based on where you live? Yeah, that's really interesting. So this place in Macon, it's actually my boyfriend's buying it and I'm helping facilitate. I am the puppet master. Um, <laughs> it is not going to be an Airbnb. That will be long term. But could okay. it work in Macon? Maybe. I'd have to do a little more research. I think what's been really interesting since COVID is that a lot of the places that people thought would be like, the hot markets forever, like all of the really dense cities, um, have become like a little less desirable because people are sure. wanting to have more of a like drive to destination with space and a work from home office. So I was finding that some of the kind of out of the way B&Bs that I manage were doing so much better. Cabin um, in the woods, so, so hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think it just depends. I would say that maybe the middle of nowhere doesn't make sense as much, but I've also heard of people that live like right off the highway perfectly between two cities and it just ended up being like a great stopover. Mm. So you never really know. I think it's just about doing the research ahead of time and Airbnb can work in lots of places. Nice. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's what we're looking to talk about the rest of this episode, Diana. Just We want to get your thoughts on Airbnb and you know some specific tips as folks might be looking to dabble in it themselves. And so, yeah, we're going to get your thoughts on that, on Airbnb specifically. But first, let's take a quick break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. 
That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Kachava is the all in one superfood shake made up of high quality plant based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back from the break we're talking about making a living on airbnb we're talking with ziana mcintyre and ziana we we just kind of talked about your your making rental that's going to be a more long-term one so airbnb versus long-term rentals you seem more gung-ho about airbnb than traditional rental properties uh, but yeah it, you're, you're delving into both so yeah where do you fall on those which ones do you like more and why I think it's like when you're young and starting out, it's great to be scrappy and you want to like maximize every little penny, right? And I think Airbnb can do that with the right places. I think Airbnb is the best for a house hack if you live on the property or you're living for free because you're renting a room or the basement or something like that. It is the best. If you're buying a property to Airbnb it, there are a lot of people in that space that do it professionally and you have potentially a lot of competition based on where you are. So that has gotten like a little less profitable. There were a few years back where it was like great. Every year was like more and more money and you could charge more and there was just so much demand. And I feel like it's kind of like shrunk down a little bit. So I wouldn't say don't do it. I would just say make sure that your numbers are gonna work for you. Um, And I super encourage it for anybody that's like actually doing it at their home. We just bought a place, my boyfriend and I, um, in January and our whole plan was Um, We have an extra room here, but we also would rent it out anytime that we travel and we go and do this pet sitting thing, um, which basically means that we go and watch people's pets and then they don't pay us, but we're making like $250 a night on our Airbnb. And Mm -hmm. so we, you know, can live for free that way. And there's lots of creative ways to do that. So specifically, you know, with when it comes to like an Airbnb property, like what is it that you're looking for in a property like that you are planning to list on Airbnb? Does it truly just come down to the numbers or are there other things that you're kind of keeping in mind as well? I mean, I think everything comes down to numbers, but there are lots of other considerations. I mean, you wanted to have kind of like a an interesting look. So an Airbnb kind of like, I guess I would say Instagrammable look, right? So that can be with furnishing, but it can also be with architecture and it can be with renovations. So it kind of depends on how deep you want to get into the project. I personally like to buy stuff already renovated in a cool way. And then I just like move in and furnish it. But some people are real scrappy. So yeah, I would say the way that it looks is is a huge factor because you're selling it by photos. Um, and yeah, so that that's a huge thing. But then the location is also something that people really want. And of course, that's very common in real estate. Everybody talks about location. So there are definitely ways to do research about that. But you're going to want a location that draws people in. It can be next to an airport. It can be by a hospital. Hospitals are huge, actually. And universities, wow. I find, that I really like. 
Interesting. Those, is, are, those are good tips. I would not have thought about I that. I would never have. Yeah, I would never. I mean, with the hospital specifically, is that just with folks, you know, unfortunately, like coming to visit somebody in the hospital and they just need some place to stay for a couple of days? No, actually. So there's this huge market of um, traveling medical professionals. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Makes sense so now. like nurse housing. Yeah. So nurses, doctors, gotcha, gotcha. Um, then people that are coming for medical treatments and then people visiting people with tra- treatments. So yeah, you'd be really surprised about hospitals, man. They're gotcha. dope. Okay. Uh, so we're talking a lot about we're using Airbnb, right? And and that's mm-hmm. kind of where you've really done most of your short-term your short-term rental listings. And you've done really well like that. But there are other sites out there that compete with Airbnb like VRBO, right? And, and so are, are there any other sites that you feel like people can do just as well on? Is it worth it to look at Airbnb's competition or is Airbnb like the only game in town? Which by the way, you said VRBO. It's but Verbo. Is that yeah, yeah, they, they like rebranded. Haven't you seen the, old uh, school, okay? the ads on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> it's Verbo. It's the worst. I'm sorry. Every time I hear Verbo, I'm like, nope. I reject that. I will not. It's VRBO. Yes. It's not going to buy into your new brand. Uh, so bad. Um, yes, I think it's valid to be on both of those websites. I have branched out and tried some of the others, and there are hundreds. But I really don't think that I get the return that I need. So it's like, no, every time you learn a new website, you have to learn their like back end, their extranet. Mm-hmm. It's just very complicated. So what I find is that I get 90% of my bookings on Airbnb. So I'm really just like, wow, I think you could do just Airbnb, but um, I think, you know, VRBO is is worth it too. Um, And then I would say it kind of depends on the type of house because some people tell me that they get 90% of their stuff from VRBO. I think it's really strange, but I think maybe if it's a house that attracts older people or that's I don't know, some somewhere where Canadians travel. For some reason, I think they really use that site. Huh. And then if you're in Europe, maybe more booking.com, but I've found them to be very frustrating. So I would say that Airbnb is a great place to start. And then if you're becoming like an, an expert, then you can branch out, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can picture VRBO. <laughs> I'm like torn now. I'm like, which, which way do you say it? Because you, you guys love saying VRBO. <laughs> I instinctively want to say Verbo because I buy into marketing. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, so, okay. So what about managing these properties, Ziana? You know, uh, like how have you gone about managing these rentals? Like as you started to build your portfolio, you know, like when we talk about real estate, that's one of the most consistent responses that we get. Folks say, I don't want to manage tenants. So for you, have you found with short-term rentals, uh, is it really all that bad? No, I think it's all about creating your systems, right? So, you know, with COVID, I found that you could do longer term stays like three months and six months. And I actually really like that because there's less turnover. But even with short-term rentals, if you can figure out a way to have your cleaner automatically get emails or if she's uh, kind of signed into your calendar and so you don't have to be back and forth with her, like she knows when she cleans, then you're so good. I mean, it's really just the inconvenience of a guest learning your property every couple of days so there's more communication and then the cleaning. So if you've Mm -hmm. got a really dependable cleaner and she knows how to schedule herself, you're pretty much 90% there. I think like one thing that would that really helped me when I got started is that at first I was really just trying to do it all myself and bootstrap it. So I was the cleaner and I was, you know, all the guest communication and I created the house manuals and I furnished the place and later I found other people to do those things or figured out ways to automate it, you know? But I think that doing all the tasks helps you know how to do it and how to teach it. So it's great to start that way. True. Yeah, good. That's a, that's a good good tip. I think that's something that Matt and I recommend with long term rentals too is to manage properties yourself at least in the beginning, so that you can know what questions to ask of a property manager when you do hire somebody. That that's super helpful. Uh, do you think uh, Ziana changing regulations towards Airbnb in some cities like does that make you nervous? Because some people have gotten shut down. They bought places specifically to rent out on Airbnb, and now that's illegal. Like they can't do that. Like so, does, does that make you nervous and, and threaten your business model? Yeah, we want to make sure that all seven of your properties aren't in Paris. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I think at this day and age, most places have put in some kind of regulation. So that kind of like, oh, is it going to change over thing? 
I don't think it's as big of a problem as it maybe used to be when everything was sort of in flux. So nowadays you can pretty much plug in like any city and short-term rental laws in Google and you can see either that they are discussing it or they've already put in some kind of measures. And a hmm. lot of places, they either want it to be your primary residence or they'll let you have like one. Some places are open, but um, I think it's just about reading the rules and then learning how to like work within them. I think what's also really cool is that a lot of places that don't want you to short term, they'll let you do 30 days and more. And there's a whole lot that can happen in the three to six month rental range, which I really love. That whole like travel nurses and doctors thing is fantastic. So I wouldn't say that like, oh my God, it's going to kill your business. Like there is so much need for furnished rentals. Yeah, yeah. So full disclosure, when my wife and I renovated our house, we actually renovated the basement, uh, and you know we we had an Airbnb listing that we did for a little bit there, and we found <laughs> that over time we kind of were we realized what you're saying, where it's like you know what I feel like the sweet spot for us might be someone that was down here for maybe about three months or so, but then Joel and I we actually we took it over for podcasting, so we're actually sitting down here in the old Airbnb, but I'm I'm totally with you. I totally get that that kind of sweet spot when it comes to, to timeframes. Well, and something else too, Ziana, you know, you mentioned like we're talking about the property that you're looking at down in Macon, how that's not going to be an Airbnb. But so specifically for you, like how has the, the global pandemic affected, you know, the rest of your properties? You know, I'm sure you saw a sharp decline back in the spring, but are you seeing a lasting impact because of COVID? I would say what I see is just basically discounts. It's like a little bit less than what you would normally charge. And so that's okay, you know, nice. but I think yeah. that there was a steady um, maybe two weeks where like all of the reservations canceled. And that was right. kind of a scary yeah. thing. And then it started being that like lots of people wanted to go somewhere, but like for a month or longer. And so then all these places were getting booked up and I was really surprised to see that. So I think for me, it hasn't changed that much. What has changed is that some people, because they're having a hard time working, they've decided, oh, I have to self-manage for a time. So I've lost a few listings that way. Or some people are just uncomfortable renting their homes, so they've, they've taken them off the market. So I've seen a little bit of that. But the ones that are open, they're doing fantastic. So I would say, yeah, it's still a very viable business model and probably nice. super helpful for people that are not making as much money now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Zian, at the beginning of this segment, you mentioned when you travel, like you have all these different ways to, or maybe it's the beginning of the show, actually. You said credit cards. Yeah, credit yeah, cards. Pet sitting. Pet sitting. <laughs> I want to know more about pet sitting real quick, <laughs> how, how how you use pet sitting in order to travel for cheaper for free. And then, yeah, maybe uh, detail a couple of other of your favorite hacks and how, yeah, they allow you to, to travel for, for almost no money. Yeah, so I used to just do a lot of pet sitting, like word of mouth around Boulder. And then I started getting people in other markets from Facebook and stuff. So I like maybe two years ago, I was like going to St. Thomas and going to Mexico and like pet sitting in Hawaii, you know, and it was great. And are they but paying for your plane ticket and, and letting you stay in their house or, or how does that work? Um, no, the further ones away, I would just uh, figure out the plane ticket with miles or something like that. And they generally didn't pay. Some of the ones that were in Boulder would pay. And that's where I live in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and so that was always just like a bonus. But I was renting out my place, so I didn't really care about that. But back in the day when I didn't have like it was all word of mouth. It ended up just being like, sometimes I would stay in places and they would be a little dumpy. And sometimes I'd stay somewhere to be fantastic. <laughs> but now that I have this app, so I use trusted house sitters and it's amazing. And I could send you a code if you want to share it with your peeps. Okay. Um, but man, we only stay in places that when I see it, I go like, ooh, that looks exciting. You know, like I only <laughs> stay in sweet like villas and stuff like that. But Basically, um, if you're on this site, like if you set up notifications, there's definitely like ways to hack the site. But if you're very quick to uh, respond to someone once they post something, um, you can get all kinds of wonderful stuff. And right now, because of COVID, we're kind of just staying in Colorado. But my goodness, we've been in like Breckenridge and, you know, all kinds of places, Crested Butte and just having all these like wonderful uh, retreats and mountain villas and, you know, hot tubs and stuff. And then you've got like one little cat. 
Um, <laughs> but we love pets and we don't have any. So I think even like with quarantine, we were just like, oh my God, we need to snuggle something. So it's great. Yeah. Give me a soft labradoodle so it kind of cozy up too. <laughs> totally. I, f- I mean, I feel like too, like pets are the perfect way to get to know an area. You know, like one of the things uh, when my wife, when Kate and I purchased our first home, we immediately, that was what allowed us to then get a dog. Like we knew we, would, we didn't want to have a, a pet until we had our own place because we weren't going to do the elevator thing and trying to get them outside, you know, potty train them, all that kind of thing. But oh my gosh, we were able to meet so many of our neighbors so quickly quickly just by going out for walks because you know what when you have a puppy everybody (laughs) everybody's going to come up and talk to you but i I feel like that's just a really cool way to get to know a neighborhood if you are traveling as well just kind of going out for a walk if you have a if you're watching someone's fancy dog but yeah uh, yeah this is this is awesome uh we are going to take a quick break but after that we're going to get some more advice from you uh for individuals who might be looking to host their their very first airbnb and so we'll get to that right after this break When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making (laughs) making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back from the break. We're talking about 
making a living with Airbnb and, and a whole lot of other stuff too with Ziana McIntyre. Uh, Ziana, I have hopefully not an awkward question for you here, but almost a decade <laughs> of your life has now been dedicated to real estate. Lots of those endeavors through Airbnb. And you learned about it while you were in college, right? So do you actually feel like your college education was necessary to get you where you are today? And if you had to go back and do it over, would you quit school? <laughs> Yeah, I would say absolutely not. Um, I am a big believer that people can self-educate. And I mean, I think there's a lot of great things that come out of education, but if you don't know what you wanna do and you're just going through the motions, I think it's a really expensive way to do that. And I think I'm like all about gap years and I'm all about different kinds of technical programs and things that you can do until you figure out what you wanna do. Because what I've sort of seen, and at least what was true for me is that I didn't really know what I wanted until it was like mid to late 20s. And so there's a huge period of time there, you know, after high school that like you just kind of try things. So I think college can be a really expensive way to do that. And I, I definitely didn't need, I think I had like, I probably pay like 60 grand or 70 grand total. I don't have that debt anymore, but like, I don't think it made, it made sense, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's certainly something to, I mean, I, I, Joel, I don't personally feel that that was an awkward question. Ziana, <laughs> no. you don't oh, either. I'm such an open book. You just asked me all the things. I'm good. But I, I feel like that's, that's important to cover though, too. Cause I mean, that is kind of the, I mean, that's the default, right? You, you go to college and like you said, Ziana, it's so expensive, especially too, as folks are going to these really pricey schools and they don't even know what it is that they want to get into. It's yeah. It's just like you said, it's an expensive lesson to learn. There's a huge backlash right now. You know, people are asking their colleges, their institutions, to drastically reduce the price because it's a glorified Skype learning session at this point in time. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we're going through uh, definitely like a sea change in how people view college and higher education in general. Yeah. So okay. So Ziana, I'm guessing a lot of people you know who are listening, they're loving your story, right? Uh, but they may not necessarily want to own or, or manage a bunch of properties themselves, um, or at least not yet, <laughs> uh, until they discover in their late 20s that that's what they want to do. How can someone get started on Airbnb? You know, so like, what tips uh, do you have for first-time hosts? Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing is to start with your own place, right? Because you have to kind of see if you like it. Um, and so I think the best is like if you can rent out a room in your place and it can even be your room, even if you have roommates, you can try to work something out where you give them a cut. Um, but you get that experience of like, okay, what kind of things do I need for a guest? And how, what kind of questions are they gonna ask me? And what is it really like to clean for somebody else? And just all that kind of stuff. Um, it's definitely not rocket science and I think anybody can figure it out, but you have to kind of do it. And then after that, I would say, if it's something you really love, it, it's great to go try to find somebody that you can manage their property. And the reason I think that's great is because it's no cost to you. So, you know, if you find a friend or, you know, a family member that has maybe a cabin that they don't use that much, um, you can ask them to buy the sheets and the towels and all the things and they give you a house furnished and they're covering the mortgage. And basically you're only making a percentage and it could be, you know, 20 to 30%. Um, but it's basically like you make money when they make money. So they're excited about it and you're excited about it, but it's really no cost to you. So I think that's a great way to kind of start and test the waters, but of course, make the mistakes on your own place before you go and do it on other people's places. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so great too about Airbnb is that you can just try it out. You know, it's, totally. it's not this huge commitment. It's like, you know, snap a few pictures, uh, make the, make the listing happen, make it look nice. Yeah. And then you can just try it out. And then if you don't like it, you just stop. Quit after three nights yeah. <laughs> if you're done. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Ziana, what are some of the most creative ways you've seen people make money from their house? Uh, any in particular outside of the box ways you've seen people make revenue and, and generate an income doing this? Yeah, so I have this friend Shelly and um, in Colorado Springs, which is like an hour and a half from here. And I think she was wanting to go camping one summer and looked at the nearby campsites for her family and realized like, wow, it's all booked like months in advance. You know, you can't get a spot anywhere. And so then she thought, well, we have a backyard. What if we put a tent up here and we, you know, charge the same? It was like $45 a night for a camp spot. So they're like, okay, can we do it here? So they had this really cool backyard that overlooks like open space and you can just go like walking out on trails outside of their yard. Oh, wow. And I don't even think they provided a tent. They just provided the spot <laughs> with like some s'more supplies and a little fire pit. And they have a cute yard with like, um, you know, patio furniture, and that was it. Um, and wow. I think they were making, 
I don't know, 800 a month or something like that. But like wow. it was a game changer for her. And now she probably manages about five properties or so. But um, it really just like changed her life. So I think there are so many cool creative ways that you can start. That is impressive. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I've got a friend here in Atlanta and he and his wife, they, they have, a two, I think, two teepees now in their backyard. <laughs> and so they basically live on this little farm and they created these teepees uh, and they've got like goats and chickens and stuff like that. But yeah, that's part of their whole attraction is that it kind of feels like, hey, you're, you're on a farm, but you also get to sleep in teepees. <laughs> Can you cuddle with the goats or no? Uh, you're allowed to pet them. And stuff oh, okay. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, goats are very cuddly. That's a good point. They <laughs> like, nip at you. It's like kick you. <laughs> um, well, you know, like you mentioned too, how like there's a lot of competition. We're kind of out of that phase where the rates were, were kind of climbing year after year. There's more places listed now than there ever have been on Airbnb. So for someone starting out, how would they make their listing stand out on Airbnb? You know, like I heard you talking about the furnishings. Is, is that, you know, one of the ways to go about it is just kind of like picking out cool furniture or, or yeah, how would you recommend for folks to do that? I think that's a big piece. I think that the kind of days of, well, I'll just put up like my dorm looking very minimalist place that doesn't work anymore and I mean I'll admit that's how I started you know I was like 25 and I didn't have any money and everything like was mismatchy but now you need to kind of do a little research you know look through a couple interior design magazines or Pinterest or something um, and it doesn't have to be expensive I do most of my stuff secondhand probably all of it but um, with Facebook marketplace and like Craigslist now you can find so many cool pieces so yeah, I definitely think it needs to be colorful. It has to have texture. It just really needs to pop in a photo. And then I would say for sure you have to do professional photography. Lots of people want to skimp on that, but it really sells it. Um, and that's that's your barrier my, my to entry. My phone pics aren't going to cut it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've seen some people have some really cool um, filters and like certain apps <laughs> that they know how to do, but like. I don't do that well. So I was like, yeah, I think professional photos are definitely better than just baseline iPhone photos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So so another thing too, when it comes to how this functions in reality, if you do attempt to rent a place out on Airbnb, there's a certain amount of like optimization that needs to take place in order for it not to consume your life. I think Matt found that out too when he was attempting to to rent out his basement. So like what are some of your best tips for optimizing a property so that you're not constantly thinking about it, constantly beholden to the notifications or a booking attempt or uh, having to get in touch with a cleaner? Yeah, I mean yeah. specifically I'll I'll say like I mean the the number of settings for a listing on Airbnb, it's unreal. Like there's all these menus and sub menus and, and you know, it's, it's really hard to navigate. I was actually really surprised at the, just the pure quantity of options, you know, when you log into your listing on your phone. But uh, yeah, I would love to hear you speak to that as well. Yeah, I think it's really funny because they add stuff all the time, but they don't notify you. So you go in there and you're like, well, what's this? What's this new weird feature that I have to fill out or nobody will think I'm relevant? Um, yeah. Right, yeah. It's really weird with that. But as far as optimizing, I would say there's lots of little things that you can do that you kind of learn along the way. So like somebody might have one set of sheets for their bed, but if you have a second or third set, then they can optimize the laundry. So that's like a very small but quick fix that makes a big deal. I would say figuring out an automated way that your cleaner is getting notifications. So whether it's having like an email that transfers to her every time it comes in from Airbnb or it's having a shared calendar, that will save your life because all of the back and forth and oh i mistakenly said it was this day and not that day like that will that will kill you you know so mm. you definitely want to have that i would say also there are saved replies that you can set up in airbnb or like right in the um, app and those are really helpful too because you'll start to find like people will ask you the same few questions like you know what's the parking yep. what's the wi-fi you know do you have a grill or whatever and if you plug in those save replies you don't have to type it out every single time you just click the button and so yeah i think those kinds of little things make it really easy um, as far as settings go, I mean, when you set up an Airbnb account, there is an option to use their wizard that kind of like walks you through and asks you questions, but it's definitely not comprehensive. It's just like the basics. I, I think that it's important to go through every tab and kind of educate yourself the first time. 
Um, so I do listing creation for a lot of people, but I still tell them like, go in there and see all the settings. I'll tell you what we're doing and we'll talk about it ahead of time, but like you should know what options there are. And I don't know if they actually do it, but (laughs) (laughs) they should. (laughs) You're basically like an Airbnb Sherpa at this point. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, so I want to follow up too with with the with the cleaning. Multiple times now, you mentioned cleaners, and and you also mentioned too that like one of the easiest ways to kind of get started is by renting out your own room or maybe renting out an extra room in your house. You know, early on, a lot of this might a lot of this cleaning might fall on you, right? Like it's it's maybe the the best way to save money. It's it's a way that you can be scrappy. Is there a way to make cleaning easier? <laughs> because that's one of the things that we found. <laughs> to say I have an Airbnb and I manage it myself. What that means is I clean and I flip, you know, like that's all it really feels like. Like, yes, you get to meet them and, you know, or talk to them, I guess, if you want. But you know, the, the, the rest of it, like that's time consuming is the cleaning aspect of it. So I didn't know if you had any tips for folks, you know, if they're just getting started and they don't want to have a cleaner, like what would you recommend from the standpoint of, you know, making a space easier to clean and flip? Yeah, so this is how it worked for me because I would always rent out my own place and I would do it like on the drop of a hat. If I had an opportunity to stay at a person's house or babysit or do something where I wouldn't be in my house, I was doing it. So for me, the key was to live really clean. Like I was doing Uh. a little bit of cleaning every day and that made my house really clean. Now, if you're doing an additional space, first I'll say about a room in a house, right? So it's a room that you don't actually live in that to just flip one room, you're basically, you know, cleaning the floor, wiping the surfaces, doing the sheets, that can be 10 minutes. So if the rest of your house is always clean and maintained, it's not that bad. If you're talking about a totally different space, it's really dependent on if those people left it like a crazy mess. Sometimes people look like they didn't even stay. You know, they'll even like remake the dirty bed and you're like, why'd you do that? <laughs> that was a way um, to strip it anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, with something like that, I found that for me it was helpful to have kind of like a routine in the house. So you can either have like a checklist or something, but you know that you do it the same way every time. Because I noticed personally, I would get really overwhelmed if I saw a really dirty place and then I was like, uh, okay, I'm grabbing this one thing and then going into this other room and then I'm lost and it's taking me three hours when it should have Mm -hmm. been one. But if I had like a checklist, I'd be like, okay, I'm doing the sheets first and then I'm doing this next thing. It kind of helped me stay on task even when it was harder. Nice. I love that. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, Ziana, this has been great. And I think like uh, an education for a lot of people who are interested in pursuing, uh, you know, renting out, whether it's part of their own home uh, on Airbnb to make some some side income or pursuing it even in a bigger context, kind of, you know, like you're doing. Um, so yeah, where, where can our audience find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, I have a blog on ZianaMcIntyre.com and it shows all the different offerings I have about Airbnb creation and consulting and I'm becoming a real estate agent. So, you know, all the things. <laughs> Very cool. Very well, nice. We will make sure to, to link to your blog, your site there on our show notes. Uh, and then Ziana, thanks so much. Yeah, we really enjoyed this conversation. I hope that this has been uh, just a nice like Airbnb 101 kind of uh, interview for, for all of our listeners out there who might be looking for ways to, to supplement their own income. So thanks again for for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thanks again, Ziana. Matt, that was like such a great conversation. Ziana is basically the the Airbnb Sherpa, like I said. So <laughs> I like that you said that, Darren, because it, it really is a perfect way of describing what it is that she's done. You know, like she's gone through this herself, and now she's helping our listeners figure out how, how they can potentially do this as well. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of creative ideas. That was a, a fun conversation. All right, so what was your big takeaway from this episode, man? Yeah. Okay. Well, mine had to do with not just Airbnb specifically, but just real estate as a whole. How if we implement systems in how it is that we do things, it can make anything uh, just way more doable, way more approachable, right? We really do hear that all the time that folks are, they, they complain about renters. They complain about you know the, the calls in the middle of the night. Guess what? I've never had a call in the middle of the night because that's <laughs> not how I communicate with my tenants. you know. Uh, and so implementing systems can make something that seems a little more daunting and a little more scary like real estate, uh, like Airbnb, it makes it way more approachable. And that carries over too with the, the way 
way she talked about uh, cleaning an Airbnb, right? She talked about having that checklist. That's just a mini system. Like that's all that is. It's just a way for you to, to stick to a plan that you know works. And so when it comes to cleaning, knowing that this is the best order that I should clean this apartment in, well, just make sure you hit that every single time, like regardless of how the place actually looks. I think that truly is the, the best way to minimize the amount of time that you are uh, dedicating towards your Airbnb. That's just a great way to keep it from becoming this massive time suck. Yeah, minimizes frustration, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah, so what about you? What was your big takeaway uh, for this interview? Yeah, I really, you know, that, that first question in the last segment when we talked about her college experience and whether or not it was worth it. And I don't want to disparage college. Like I have a college degree and it, I'm glad that I got it. And I think there was a lot of value there. Uh, I think thinking about how much it costs is really important. But, but one of the things that she said in that reply was that you should try things. There's like this period in, in your life where you're not really sure what you want to do. And typically that's in your early 20s. There's a lot of exploration. There's a lot of trying and failing. There's a lot of thinking through what you want your life to look like. And I think the more things you try, the more you're willing to, to give it a go, <laughs> then the more likely you are to find something that's super enjoyable that you can do for a longer period of time. Nice. And it took her friend essentially convincing her over the period of the year, especially when she when she heard that number, 50,000 bucks. <laughs> I mean, that's convincing right there. And she could have easily stuck to something more conventional uh, and said, I, well, you know, I've got this college degree. I, I need to use it. But she opted to try something new. And that new thing has panned out into a decade-long career in real estate. Uh, so yeah, I love seeing that. And I love hearing how trying something new seems to have led to something bigger than she could have really thought or imagined. Totally, man. Yeah, I really appreciated that she was, you know, all about the gap year, all about traveling, seeing the world, just seeing how other people are living their lives and not necessarily confining yourself to like your bubble, you know, essentially a lot of us kind of grew up in a bubble, not a pandemic bubble, but just our entire childhood and in, in leading into to high school and college. And there's certain expectations on us. And for certain folks, I think kind of stepping out of that is more challenging than others. I think obviously some people are just predisposed to just trying new things. But for those who aren't predisposed, you know, for those who like to play it safe, I think that's certainly a, yeah, a great challenge for those folks as well, Joel. All right, let's take it back to our beer, man. This episode, you and I had a chocolate peanut butter porter. Uh, and this is by a brewery. Is it Lupulin? Lup- Lupulin, maybe? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like that. Uh, we've never, I've never had a beer by these guys before, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts? All right, this is a brewery out of Minnesota. I've heard good things. Picked this up at the, the local package store. Yeah, and chocolate peanut butter porter. The first thing you think about is a Reese's peanut butter cup. And, you know, it had elements of that for sure. But it wasn't over the top at the same time. So I thought it was approachable. It had those nice chocolate and peanut butter notes going on. With Halloween coming up, makes me think I'm going to be uh, stealing some of my little girls' uh, Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. And I'll be reminded of this beer when I, when I do. Nice. Is that your favorite uh, Reese's peanut butter cups? No, it's not. Oh, it's not? No. What's your favorite? So I really like the like the gummy worms, man. I'm a gummy worms uh, you, guy. So you're a sugar kind of guy. Yeah. You, you, so when we divide up the candy, you always you got to have the sugar bucket and then you have the chocolate bucket. Give me some of those Skittles or gummy worms. Because you worms. can't mix them together. If you, got them, if you leave them together... They'll all, start to taste like each other. Yes, yeah. All <laughs> the chocolate ends up tasting like fruit and you don't want that. No, it's terrible. I prefer the chocolate bucket. I'm, I'm less of the sugar guy. And so for me, peanut butter cups, they're, they, they rank up there and so do Snicker bars. See, we would have been perfect. Butterfingers as well. It, it would have been perfect if we were friends as kids. So we could have swapped candy um, after Halloween. Um, it was destined to be. <laughs> uh, for me, man, I, I really enjoy this beer. And it wasn't overly sweet. And I, I bet that's probably why you like this one. I know you don't like beers that are too sweet. And with this one being a peanut butter porter, it definitely could have gone that way. Obviously, I think it, it would have been a little more sweet if it was a stout. But with it being a porter, it was lighter in body, but it was also lighter in sugar. It kind of finished out a little bit dry. And you know what? It kind of made me think of the old school candy. And I think I've said this before, but a uh, bit of honey or bit of honey or like Ma- Mary Jane, maybe like, but like one of those old, old school candies uh, that are kind of like toffee, but they kind of have peanut butter and peanuts mixed into them. Uh-huh. That's what this reminded me of. I don't know why. Just stuck out in my mind. It took me back to a time before I was even born. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed this one, man. Glad you picked it up. Glad we got to share it together today on the episode. And that's going to be it for today. Our listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. And up there, we'll also make sure to link to Ziana's site. And if you've been listening to this show for a while and you haven't left a review, well, Matt and I would massively appreciate if you would skip on over to Apple Podcasts for a quick second, uh, leave us a kind review, letting us know what you think of the show. It helps other people find out about the content we're creating so that more people can be positively affected with good money information. We really appreciate it. So thanks in advance. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 